Probably our biggest snow totals from a single snow event we've had so far this season. Not going to be all snow. A wintry mix is forecast for the listening area. That's right, storm track time. That's because something's going to wind up along the coast. And this week, uh, recording to you December 27th evening, so this will be a useful December 28th, maybe 29th, pretty short shelf life. Uh, We've got Eric Fisher, uh, Chief Meteorologist, CBS Boston, WBZ. Eric, did I say that right? You said it right, absolutely. Where are you located right now? In the weather bunker here at WBZ over on Soldiers Field Road in Boston, just checking out the latest info and people salivating over the chance for some decent snowfall. First, really bigger snowfall we've had so far this year. Season three of Wintry Mix is supported by... World Cup Supply has served the ski resort, race, and event industry since 1991. Visit worldcupsupply.com to see the complete selection of race gates, safety, and crowd control fencing, on-hill tools, poles, nets, you name it. If you are running a ski resort, an event, or an event at a ski resort, then trust World Cup Supply for the gear that ensures safety and success. All right, get on a plane, fly to Salt Lake City, and devour the powder at Snowbird in Little Cottonwood Canyon. With 500 inches average annual snowfall, seven minute tram rides to the summit, and over 3,000 vertical feet, this will make your season. Check out fourth night free slope side lodging options or visit with your mountain collective pass. Snowbird.com is step one. Step two is follow Snowbird on social to stay stoked until you arrive. Over 250 ski areas use Liftopia to reach millions of skiers and riders planning their trips. But what you might not know is that Liftopia's cloud store is also the most widely used e-commerce ticketing technology for ski area websites with over 100 North American ski resorts using the platform. Your team, your strategy, your customers partnered with the best e-commerce support and technology in the industry. Visit Liftopia.com and click platform to learn more or email partners at Liftopia.com to schedule a call today. And yeah, it's gonna snow, so we interrupt your regularly scheduled podcast programming for a storm track. And as we said, we've got Eric Fisher from CBS Boston WBZ on the line. And Eric, I think we've got our first, is this our first nor'easter of the season that we're looking at? I'd say first legit nor'easter, yeah. It seems like we've had a lot of nickels and dimes, and they've added up to quite a bit for uh, a lot of the mountain regions. But closer to southern New England, we really haven't had a bigger storm yet. It's been a lot of, a couple inches here, a few inches there. And this is the first one we start breaking out that foot word, which we haven't really had to do yet. And, and the factors that are, that are at play here, kind of lay me out, uh, is something coming from the Ohio Valley and transferring? How is this thing going to spin up? Yes, we've got a little piece of energy, which right now is shooting down over the prairies of southern Canada, and it's going to dig, and then we're going to get our favorite winter word, bombogenesis, taking place as we head into Thursday night. So we're going to go from a radar that looks pretty clean tonight, so really it doesn't look like anything going on across the lower 48, to something that's going to spin up really quickly. Uh, as we head into Thursday afternoon and night, and it'll be really cranking on Friday morning. We'll get some strong winds and some nice banding and probably our biggest snow totals from a single snow event we've had so far this season. Those of us located in the mountains who are really hoping for the most maximum snow, whether that's New York, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, what are kind of the indicators over the next couple of days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that we should be watching for where it'll mean maybe we're going to get less or maybe we're going to get more? I mean, what could still change? 
Sure. I think, uh, you know, this storm's a little bit different than some others that might have, you know, a Gulf of Mexico origin, where you've got a big storm system already, and it's moving up the coast, and you've got this huge precip shield. This one, because it's really developing on top of us, is going to have a fairly smaller shield, but within that, some really heavy snowfall rates. And what that means is a little bit of snowfall coming down for New York, some decent snow into Vermont, but this storm is going to favor New Hampshire and Maine. That's going to be the real bullseye zone. It looks like this storm is going to be a little tight to the coastline compared to what we'd like for our area that we forecast for, which is closer to Boston. And we talk about the benchmark, 40 north, 70 west. Storm tracks over there. You've got your perfect rain snow line to really deck out southern New England. This one's going to come right up over Cape Cod and then into the Gulf of Maine. Uh, what that means is that our best banding, our heaviest snow rates, Look to come down across all of interior Maine into the Waterville Valley, the Mount Washington Valley, getting all the way down through southern New Hampshire and likely getting down into northern Worcester County. So places like Wachusett will probably see some pretty good totals, I'd say at least a half foot out of this. And is there anything we can glean climatologically from, okay, our first nor'easter is going to happen in late December. Um, is there anything that that tells us for the rest of the winter as far as what we've seen either this fall or with this storm that we can you know, move out in, into the future and take anything from? You know, I, I wouldn't take too much out of it. One thing that we do start to see here is that we get a little bit more of a negative NAO going forward. Uh, negative NAO, North Atlantic Oscillation, is basically a measure of how much blocking there is up toward Greenland. Uh, the reason that's important is it can trap in some cold. It can slow down storm systems that develop on the eastern seaboard. Instead of them just shooting right out or these transient cold shots that we've seen where it's really cold for a day, uh, then it's gone a day and a half later it can lock it in a little bit more. And I think as we head into January, the signs are that we're going to be looking at generally a colder pattern, definitely colder than last year, and it looks like a pretty active pattern too. Um, and so from our winter outlook, um, which you can still find on cbsboston.com, by the way, and we're calling for a pretty typical winter. Uh, there would be some back and forth, that there would be closer to average snow, but we did go above average snowfall uh, compared to last year. I just don't see it locking into a long period of cold and storms or a long period of warm and rain like we've seen over the last three winters. It was kind of all or nothing all the time. This year has more back and forth. Yeah, it's okay. You can put a little coal in the stocking. Is there is there a warm-up right after this so we can have a storm track to the west and give us rain like two days later? Well, there are some indications. Uh, late Monday into Tuesday that we might end up with another storm that's an inside runner and it does wind up to our west. However, there's a pretty good area of high pressure over southeastern Canada. And to me, it looks like this might be one of those systems that looks warm to start here a week out. And then as we get closer, that high is going to be a bigger player and we might end up with more snow and mix that a pure open the waves to warmer pattern and rain. And even with that one system, if we get a warm-up, it would be brief. It looks like cold will start to follow it again. So uh, no reason to be uh, as alarmed as what we were last year, where it seemed like every single storm was bringing the rain well up into eastern Canada. Uh, it doesn't seem to have that kind of look to it here heading into January. And most of this snow is going to fall, if, if we're talking Vermont, New Hampshire, uh, Maine, interior New England. It's falling at what kind of temperature range? Most of it's going to be upper 20s to low 30s, so it's not bone-dry Arctic cold, but it's cold enough where you're going to be close to your typical you know, 10 to 15 to 1 ratios. So you're going to have not pure, you know, perfect powder in most locations, but you're going to have the snow that's not topped with rain, that's not topped with ice, and temps generally that are going to be staying below freezing. So I think there's going to be a pretty good quality to that snowfall, especially the farther west you are, the closer to the coastline. That's where your snow is going to be a little bit wetter. Uh, so your ranges that are a little bit close to the sea coast or a little bit closer to the main coastline, that's where you might get a little bit more of a dicey 
uh, type of mix, but I would say up at Sugarloaf and heading up into Sunday River, Mount Washington Valley. It's going to be great. It's nice quality to it. I think we got the we got the gist of what's coming. Obviously, since it's one of the first of the year, that the hype train is kind of out of control there on the internet. Let's let's go back in time with you a little bit. Give our listeners a little bit of a of a feeling about your background. Um, all I really know is that obviously you were at the Weather Channel before being at CBS Boston, but I think you're originally from Boston. Walk me back through your history uh, in reverse here a little bit. Okay, back into the Wayback Machine. Uh, well, I'm from Western Mass, so I headed out toward, uh, toward Springfield. If you ever look at a map and you see that little chunk that sticks down into Connecticut, that's my town, uh, Southwick. Uh, and I was there up through sixth grade, and I remember a couple good snowstorms out there back uh, in the Superstorm in 93. I remember the blizzard in 96 was a good memorable one for me. Um, and so it was really the snow that... It gave me the weather bug out in Western Mass. We were just enough into the Berkshires where we had a little bit of elevation. We got some more snow compared to everyone else. Um, and then I went and worked in Springfield, actually. My first job out of SUNY Albany was right there. I was fortunate to be able to stay close to home, worked there for four years, and then went down to the Weather Channel, and that that's your bread and butter, man. Um, I know people make jokes about the Weather Channel sometimes, or you know they talk about how it might have changed over the years, but that place is full of hardcore weather geeks. I mean, people who know what they're talking about, and they live it. Uh, so it's a great learning experience. Uh, we traveled all across the country chasing storms. How big is the Weather Channel? How many people work there? So they have a, I think it's a seven-story building in Atlanta. Pretty much everyone who works for the Weather Channel is there. Uh, on air, there might be, I want to say, 25, 30 meteorologists who are on air most of the time. Then you've got all your weather producers, your actual show producers, You've got all the people upstairs that are, you know, selling ads and uh, taking care of marketing, working on graphics. Uh, all told, there's got to be, gosh, there's got to be a few hundred people in that building. I'm, I'm going to nerd out a little bit, and some folks will know who I'm talking about. Did you ever get to work with or meet Dave Schwartz when you were down there? I just missed him. So when I was hired, it was right after he had initially been laid off. And then I worked there, and right after I left, he got brought back in and hired back on the payroll. But no one has ever said anything but... Now, the highest praise for Dave Schwartz, one of the nicest guys. And I remember growing up, that was my favorite guy on the Weather Channel. Uh, very quirky personality, very warm personality. Uh, and it was very sad to lose him. When I was 12 years old, I mean, you know, t- what is that, 25 years ago now, uh, I used to run home to catch the local forecast. Um, or no, it was the back when they had the skiers forecast. Uh, and it was like 12 minutes after the hour, whenever it was. Um, and whenever you got you got Dave Schwartz, you knew he was going to be having fun with it. I mean, his ability to just ad lib. And I think they would have him on like late at night when it would there would be no teleprompter and he'd just have to fill time. I mean, that guy was just amazing to watch. It's a skill. It's, and most people, that is so hard to do. You don't realize how hard it is to just be yourself uh, when you get on TV or when you get into the media, you know, the – uh, maybe the impulse is to try different things out or to put on a, a particular act or something. Dave Schwartz didn't need to do that. Um, he just had the most amazing personality. Um, and a lot of people down there are like it. It is difficult when you especially look at meteorologists. A lot of people who go into news, they go into news because either they just love news or they wanted to be on TV. They thought it was a cool job. A lot of people at the Weather Channel and a lot of meteorologists in general are science nerds who are wicked shy um, and they were not big outward personalities, and then they kind of had to get coached over time. There's a lot of that at the Weather Channel. People who, you know, had a tough time smiling or talking to strangers ended up being on TV. So there's this hope if you're a shy person and you want to take that kind of that kind of track in life. I, I know my picture is from high school. You never saw my teeth. I wouldn't even smile with my teeth. I was too shy to do it. Um, and now I end up having to talk all all damn day for a living. 
So then I've got to ask you, pros and cons to the whole naming storms thing. Pros and cons. Well, you know, I get the, I get the idea of it's so hard to get people's attention now. Um, and this applies to general viewers. It applies to my own mother. Uh, I was at home at Christmas or yesterday, and she goes, hey, it's going to be 50 degrees today. I go, no, you're going to get freezing rain today. What are you looking at? <laughs> She's like, oh, it's my phone told me it was going to be 50. That's what we're up against. A fairly, I think my mom is a fairly reasonable and relatively intelligent person, is not paying attention to the weather um, or any of the details that go into a forecast. And so it has become very challenging for us to get anyone to just listen uh, and make some good decisions uh, based on what we're expecting. So the naming the storm thing gets people to at least know that there's something coming, um, and it gets them talking. The names themselves could use some work. <laughs> How I mean, so? What do you think about the, the list here? Like, what did we have the other day? It was Winter Storm Europa. Like, what is that? I see it as mostly uh, folks who are against it just kind of, I mean, everybody's against everything initially when it's changed, when it's different. Um, so, I mean, I think it's something people could get used to. And, and basically, who else was going to do it? If the National Weather Service wasn't going to do it, then the, the Weather Channel was kind of next in line to try it, I guess. Mm -hmm. well, it's, it's also, you know, we're getting to that shifty area of who's in control of the message, right? Yeah. Um, People don't, most people, unless you're really into weather, probably don't realize that the person on TV talking about the weather has no power over issuing warnings, watches. You know, we're not doing that. We're the communicators in between. We come up with our own forecast, but they don't know that tornado watches come from Oklahoma, the Storm Prediction Center, and their freezing rain advisories issued by the Weather Service in Taunton. And uh, they don't have smooth contours. They have to use parts of counties or whole counties to issue things. And so the Weather Channel, people don't. Maybe they know where the names are coming from. Maybe they don't, but they are proving to be kind of successful. Um, it does seem almost the goofier names end up being the most successful ones. And it, it's a shortcut to effective hashtagging so people can find content. I mean, you know. Yeah, else. and I, I go into classrooms now and I do visits and I go, who remembers Winter Storm Nemo? And all the kids know. It's yeah. amazing. Um, when I could say, hey, remember that blizzard, you know, in 2012? And everyone's like, huh? What do you, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe. But they remember that one storm because of the name. Um, and people also don't realize that people, they've been naming storms in other parts of the world for years and years. In Europe, they've been naming storms for decades. Um, so it's not necessarily a new thing. It's just new to the United States. Well, and it's I... actually not even new to the United States. I remember watching WFSB in Connecticut growing up, and they named winter storms. Uh, and out in uh, western New York, they name lake effect events. Um, the Weather Channel just has a little more cachet, like a bigger reach. Yeah. People are already getting used to it. Moved on to, to new outrages. Uh, speaking of, of things that, that share well on the internet, uh, weather has has predated the whole the whole discussion of hoax news, fake news, fake news, things like that. Uh, there's been social media weather hoaxes going on since you know since the beginning of social media and probably well before. Uh, how difficult is that for you to manage when when you see things going viral that you know are just people doing it for for clicks and things? I really don't know how to battle it, uh, honestly. Um... And obviously, a lot of news agencies don't know how to battle it either because it's becoming such a huge issue. But you're right in that. I remember we did our winter weather special uh, four years ago, and our first story in it was how to identify real forecasts versus fake ones. So this is something that we've been looking at the weather community for so long. And it's kind of tricky because a lot of people aren't doing it maliciously. You know, I think a lot of it are uh, enthusiasts, kids who are in middle school or high school, and the technology is there now. Kids can make amazing graphics at home. They can make forecasts that look really official. 
I mean, when I was 13 and really into weather, I'd be doing the same thing, um, you know, if it was available when I was that age. And it just gets out there, and people want to believe things that seem unbelievable. I don't know does a human nature thing, um, but they want to believe things that are implausible. So when you forecast that you put a map out and it says, two weeks from now, major blizzard, your common sense should say, there's no, there's no skill. Like, no one would know how to do that. You can't forecast a blizzard two weeks out. But they want to believe it. And then that information spreads so fast. Meanwhile, I can put out our official you know, blog post on, here's the storm and the timing and the totals and exactly what you can expect, and here's how you should manage your weekend, da 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 And, you know, it'll get some shares. And usually weather is our biggest shareable content at a news station, but it still won't even come close to these crazy hurricane or snowstorm forecasts. And, and then what about just short of that? I mean, what's your take on, oh, I've got a four-day-out model run. Here it is. And, you know, maybe 10% of the people looking at it realize that it's one model run, not a forecast, but still just kind of putting it out there with a the disclaimer. I mean, it seems like more and more folks who are, um, you know, professionals in, in, in the arena doing that now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not. You can't blame, you know, kids or enthusiasts or whoever the case might be. There are pros who are doing it, too. Uh, it drives me crazy. Uh, if anyone follows me on uh, online or watches our newscast, they know, like, I don't share snow maps. Um, I try not to do anything too long-range that I don't want to mislead someone into thinking that I know something that I don't really know. Um, and I see other local stations who are doing uh, model snow totals seven days in advance. There's no use in that to me. Um, in the end, it makes us look worse because I know that forecast is wrong. So why would I bother even showing it? But not enough people, I don't think, think along that same wavelength. Um, and I, I really don't know what else to do with it because when it, at the end of the day, it comes down to the consumer. The consumer has to figure out who's my go-to guy or girl. Like who's that forecaster that I trust who's not blowing smoke up my skirt and who's going to tell me what they know and what they don't know. Um, that's why I think people like uh, Tim Kelly has a big following because he'll tell it to you straight. Um, I feel like I've had decent success because it's the same way. People know when you're lying to them. Um, so I think it's on the consumer to figure out what are my best sources. It's the same as picking the right newspaper or the right news station. Or, you know, pick your go-to person. Um, and at the end of the day, that's all we can really hope for. Uh, speaking of, I guess, figuring it out, when did you first ski? Or actually, do you ski? I think you do, but I don't know that for a fact. Oh, man, you're going to out me. I don't know how to ski. It's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Um Honestly, just growing up, I had no, my family had no money. Uh, skiing was a tough, you know, that's a trip and a lift pass and the equipment, and it just wasn't happening. Uh, and then I got a little older, and I didn't learn, and I could have learned, and then I moved to Atlanta, and that was another, you know, no skiing's going on there. Nope. Uh, now I'm back, but now every time there's weather, I work. <laughs> so I can't really plan a weekend away and go skiing very easily. Um, it's on my list of hopefully someday picking it up. Yeah, well, I, there's there's a good chance because a lot of the uh, the ski marketing folk are listening to this one, so you'll probably get a few emails inviting you to come on up and and t take a learn to. So be on the lookout for that. I've had the invites. It's been finding the time, but uh, Hurricane Fisher, our first baby, is on the way in January. Probably a blizzard baby. Um, so maybe when baby Fisher learns how to ski someday, I'll have impetus to go up there and, and pick it up. Yeah. Well, well, congratulations on that. I, I, I know what you're, what you're headed into. You're not going to have a lot of free time. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. The winter is, is our busy season. We usually don't take too many days off, but I've got to get up to the slopes. No question. Um, the only way to, you know, people complain about winter, the only way to beat it is to get outside and enjoy it. So 
when the snow's on the ground, you got to hit the trails. And I go snowshoeing with my wife and do cross-country stuff, but I just uh, haven't picked up the downhill yet. Uh, Eric, thank you very much for the time. Uh, I'm pretty sure people can follow you at Eric Fisher on Twitter. Is that one right? That's the one, yep. And uh, WX underscore fish on Instagram. Rock and roll. We'll let you get back to work. You are a busy man right now. Yeah, finally. Something to talk about around here. And uh, happy to, to see a storm that's going to lay down some solid snow, all the ski areas. Vacation week, New Year's weekend, right around the corner. You couldn't ask for better timing. Yow! Thanks to Eric Fisher for his assistance on today's storm track, uh, released the evening of December 27th. Catch it on the 28th or the 29th. After that, it is kind of useless. Make sure you go back through the archive of Wintry Mix Podcast. Episode 39 was out recently on fat biking. Definitely worth your time. Also want to thank VPR and their members for the support and Waterbury Sports for helping me keep my kit in order. Subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating or review if you are the helpful type. And if you're going skiing and you're going up the access road, have some snow tires. Otherwise, you're going to be that guy. Goodbye. I'm probably going to do this ending part over again because I messed it up.